Stats.net original podcast. Welcome to season two of the Differability podcast, brought to you by the Dadsnet and Get Cycling. All kinds of cycles for all kinds of people. Head over to getcycling.org.uk forward slash Differability to find out more and to book your own demo. I'm Paul and this is Michael. Hello. And we are parents to four children, our younger twins, Loton and Lance, and our 16-year-old boys who are soon going to be 17, Levi and Lucas who have autism, epilepsy, along other complex disabilities. And together, we are the Atwell Bryce family. In this podcast, we'll be taking a look at a range of different conditions that can affect your children and speaking to experts from various organisations to get you the best advice out there. From early detection to helpful resources and even some tips and tricks to make everyday life that little bit easier. In this episode, we'll be diving into the world of spina bifida. Spina bifida is when a baby's spine and spinal cord does not develop properly in the womb, causing a gap in the spine. It's a neural tube defect which starts to form in early pregnancy closing about four weeks after conception and the neural tube is the structure that goes on to form the baby's brain and spinal cord. We spoke to Christopher and Gillian from Shine, a charity which provides specialist advice for spina bifida and hydrocephalus across the UK. Christopher has spina bifida himself and is therefore uniquely placed to help families and children living with the condition all the way from before birth. Gillian, yes. Um, I've worked for Shine for many, many years and at the moment I'm managing our health team. And I'm Chris Greenalsh and I'm one of the support and development workers for Shine um, and I've been here two and a half years. Now we've just been saying uh, before we started recording about Shine, how long has the charity been going? Charity's been going since 1966. And wow. it was it was formed really um, from there were lots of very small local groups. Parents got together um, just to really support each other over looking after small children with spina bifida at a time really when nobody really knew much about spina bifida, um, and the services were you know nothing like they are now. Scant as they are these days, they were even more difficult. Um, and from that there was a decision to kind of make a national organisation to kind of an umbrella organisation over the top of it and that's that's really how we were born. We used to be ASBAR, the Association for Spina Bifida and Hydrocephalus, but we've rebranded I think probably about eight years ago now to Shine and it's just so much more recognisable and so much more inclusive we think. And for parents with like recently diagnosed children what help and support do you guys provide? We can provide um, support often um, when parents with babies with spina bifida, often it's diagnosed during the pregnancy. Um, so what would happen if they contact us? I'd usually just check in with them just to see how they are. Um, everybody is at different stages really with things when we when we approach them. Some people are just really shocked some people, you know, by the time we speak to them, they're very, very relaxed. But if they've got any questions, making sure they understand what the condition is, 
how to manage it, letting them know what the support is that they can expect from us. And just to let them know that, you know, if they have got any questions, doesn't matter what it is, even if it's what kind of a pram to buy or what kind of clothes do I need to put in my overnight bag? You know, we, we've got an answer or we'll know who, who has got the answer. So anything and a bit of emotional support as well. You know, we speak to a lot of people. Um, people sometimes expect a bit too much of themselves. They expect to just relax into the whole situation overnight and, you know, everybody has, you know, everybody has thoughts that I guess sometimes people say, you know, I'm thinking things that I'm not proud of, but, you know, they can say it to us. There's nothing they can't say to us out loud. So, And I think going from that, like you say, within pregnancy and chatting to Jill and her team, um, they then find their way to me and our team. Um, so I'm on, I'm one of... I think eight support workers in England. Um, we've then got the Little Stars team as well that um, specialise with the Little Ones. Um, but we would be involved kind of from that point. So I've got families that I've been involved with from not long after Jill spoken to them, finding out in pregnancy. Um, and then we've been through births and surgeries together, over the, you know, that emotional support and things. Um and then into practical support, you know, I think Jill mentioned then like prams and things like that. We've mm-hmm. we've tend to have that knowledge. We've got the emotional support. And I think what Jill was saying, when they we've kind of formed from that peer support with parents, um, that's still there and we try and keep keep that. So we have some WhatsApp groups for parents that are in the same areas together so that they can link up. And ask sometimes what people think are like silly questions, but actually, I always try and say to people, they're not. There's no silly questions. Like you don't, if you don't know it, you don't know it, do you? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have those, and we have um, Facebook pages that are private and locked down. So it's just uh, families and staff that are in there. So it, people aren't asking overly personal questions with anything that people might be. Uh, not in there for the right, you know what I mean? Like it's a safe space. Chris, um, I think, Chris, I think you're in a great position, aren't you? Because if you don't mind me saying it, you yourself have spina bifida. Yeah. You know, coming from a lived experience with it, I think that's so empowering and knowledgeable in itself, isn't it? And I think for me, and I'm quite open with, um, members and things if there's things that i've been through or have experience of that will help them i will tell them if there's that probably won't help them then i don't you know i'm and it's and i'd kind of do it it, it's on a who i'm talking to and what they kind of need situation but i think you know i've made no secret of it since i came here that actually the reason that i came back into charity and back into shine was that I feel like I've got a personal reason to be here and to support people kind of through that, having been through it. Like I said, I think we were chatting just before we recorded, weren't we, that, you know, I'm, I'm 39 now. I've been through and my parents found out at birth. You, we didn't find out during the scan. Um, and they found out at birth. And, yeah, it's I've been through a few things. I don't personally think, you know, I've got, I've got a good life. I've done really well, like... But a lot of that has been my parents' support, but also, 
you know, we were involved with Asbo before they were shine. My mum, my mum ended up being like one of the chairpersons of ours in our local area, and we were around. Not to sound really old, but we were around kind of pre-internet. So I, I remember loads of times like my mum and dad being on the phone to people and talking them through things we'd already been through and they were about to go through. Um, and now, like I say, we've got the beauty of WhatsApp and Facebook and, and things to be able to do that on a much bigger scale and probably more, a lot more effectively, but actually we're effectively doing similar things still. I think we've, we've covered like about six different disabilities in this series, like uh, Down syndrome and other ones. And the thing that always comes back every time is... Uh, parents getting support from other parents in the same situation and other people like with lived experience seems to help a lot more doesn't it than uh, than yeah. text, textbook stuff um which i think is really important so you, you, you... the textbook stuff's really important like jill has got knowledge that i will never have um from what i've been through because that's the side that jill knows and again we've got and similarly we've got other support workers that that don't have the condition but actually I've got amazing knowledge. But sometimes like it is nice to be able to link a parent up with another parent that is about to go through the same thing um, that will help them. Um, we are careful about that as well. You know, we, we don't tend to just do that all the time. But if it's going to really help someone and it's and it works for both sets, then we'll do it. Um, and I think, is there anything on that from your point, Jill? I think I think so. I don't think there's any substitute for that 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 peer support. Um, I think when when people you know they get the diagnosis and they hear oh this is a rare condition, it's you know it's just, they sometimes they feel like they're the only people that've ever gone through it. And t- to know that you know just that there is that light at the end of the tunnel, you know, to see you know other families talking about their children. I think we we as well trying to kind of make sure that people feel that they're not just it's just not a collection of disorders you know I just you know I just chat with some people yesterday who were expecting they're expecting a baby and oh I'm so nosy you know and I always say oh have you got names picked out you know and they sometimes they're quite taken aback because nobody at the hospital ever talks about their baby as a baby you know and um you know that's one of the real it's probably one of the parts that I really enjoy about my job as well. And kind of being, it sounds really daft when I say it out loud, but being that kind of little bit of positivity again, because I think a many, you know, it's not for every, it's not everyone, but there's a high number that it's not the greatest experience when they're told and kind of given worst case scenario and stuff. And then actually understanding that there is like Jill's just said that kind of, that bit of light, that bit of positivity, and actually, you know, you have to know worst case, of course you do. But let's have a look at, like, everything as a collective, and like you say, actually kind of celebrate you've got a baby on the way. That's you know, what and- I was going to say to you, Chris and Gillian, I think when families are having babies and suddenly they're told all these conditions with their baby, it becomes a the joyous out of it gets moved aside, doesn't it? And it becomes yeah. all about this is what's going to happen, that's what's going to happen. And it must be very yeah. hard for families at that point because they're just expecting um, 
uh, a newborn and they have it in their mind what's going to happen. Yeah, and in the real world, things don't always go to plan. I think it's yeah, um, with a with a pre-test, it very much reminds us when we were speaking to the Down syndrome, trying yeah. to the Down syndrome parent, it were all about you can have this early termination, it were all negative and it took the joy out of be, uh, uh, being pregnant and it, it were all about the negatives all the time. And, and people with spina bifida are still as beautiful as everybody else and, you know, we're all people. Nobody's better than anybody else and I think that empowering part needs to be spoken about a lot more. Would you agree? And I, especially within hospitals, I think. I mean, Gillian, you, you referred there when you said... Um, what are you going to be calling your baby? And mm. that's just a prime example of... They lose all that part, don't they? They lose all that part, that emotional part, don't they? We, we try and put a bit of that back in again. Yeah. You know, just, you know, just try... And, you know, I always ask people, you know, if they don't mind, please send me a picture of your baby when it's born. I love baby pictures. Who doesn't? What's not to like, you know? Um, but, you know, it just, just makes a, it just makes a difference to people to, you know, still feel that, you know, yeah, they've got a bit of recalibrating to do. You know, they've got, you know, the path that they thought they were on is now a different path. But if people can, you know, just relax, you know, they say, oh, I don't know anything about spina bifida. And said, you just need to know until you get to the next fork in the road. That's all you need to know for now. You know, just, um, you know, just once they've done that recalibration, they're back to having a baby. You know, they're adding to the family and... You know, that's always a nice. That's always a nice thing. So I had, try and add, put some of that back in again. Yeah. And it, on that, it's it's one of those. And I, I say to a lot of so we do a new member call. If somebody joins, obviously, if they find out through pregnancy, it will come to me through Jill, and we'll do that. And I'll then speak to them probably just before, like late on in the pregnancy, and then again, because I don't want to bombard them with everything that we can offer support in whilst they're still going through that pregnancy and things like that. And it's just knowing that we're there for that next bit. And I think a lot of the the real positives that have come from that have been when people have said, I don't know what's about to come. And you're like, but we'll deal with that when we get there. And I think it's the the range in how Spanner River can affect you is quite big. So actually saying to them that we can get to this point and then when we get to that point, we can look at what's happening. We can look at your situation and then we go again. And then we get to the next little milestone. And from that point, then we look again and say, well, what's happening? Has anything changed? Do we need to support you in a different way? And we can do that from that. And I think like Jill's just said about loving baby pictures, you know, I think I when I started, Jill put me in touch with a family probably – It'd be, I don't know, maybe 18 months ago now, who just found out during pregnancy. Um, we chatted through everything. We've been through numerous surgeries together, albeit I've been over the phone with them, but I've sent them messages before it and just said, like, good luck. And just and people, some people have added me to, like, their little WhatsApp groups for their family updates because, actually, we do get in, you know, we do like to know what's happening with people. And that way then... You can best support them, and then we had uh, we had a family day, and it was one of the first ones that we've been able to have. Like obviously following COVID, and we met an outdoor an outdoor place, and we had put it on purposefully with a range of of ages. Um, so we had people that came to that from 
um, under one right the way through. So I think we had a nine-year-old and his family there. And one of the nicest things for me that day was I got to meet that family and I've been working with them for 14 months and actually got to see the baby and see what, you know, where they're at. And they are such a great little family and they, they're so grateful of kind of support. And I'm like, but we've just talked through most of the stuff they already knew. It's just having sometimes just having an ear to kind of reaffirm stuff for them. Uh, and the nice thing that day was there was parents talking to other parents. There was kids talking to other kids and they were all passing that knowledge on, you know, and passing on their experiences. And that's, that's kind of the important, that's what I, that's why I love my job. If I'm honest. You know, t- taking it back a little bit then Chris, for people listening to this podcast that have perhaps heard of Spina Bifida, but don't know much about it. What are like, Describe the condition, you know. Um, I know it can be vast, but briefly yeah. try and describe it a little bit. Then, you know, the condition, how it can affect different people. Do you want to go with that, Jill? From and then I, I'll follow it a little bit, just on. Okay, yeah. Um, it's where it's a condition that you're born with that affects kind of an area on your spine, and it stops the communication at a certain point on your spine between your body and your brain. So your brain then can't control bits of your body and it can't you can't sense what's going on um so it just depends whereabouts on your back to you know to a large degree where it is the lower down the better in terms of the effects of it um a lot of people with spine bifida have got bladder and bowel involvement as well so experience all you know all sorts of bladder and bowel issues including leakage or frequency and urgency um there's lots of ways of managing that now um and the other thing with open spina bifida as well is that it can result in little changes to brain development as well so that there's certain ways that people think and behave that might be different from the typical population as well so um you know things like memory or you know getting organized and those sorts of things and they can have a bit of a knock-on effect you know as adults living on their own looking after themselves so people can have kind of health issues that result as you know from not being equipped to to stay on top of their health care and their situations um and I but think, it can be almost anything really chris can't it it's just yeah so i was gonna say like thing, the thing that everybody knows about but you know there's so so many of our members you know walk well you've probably walked past people in the supermarket that've got spine bifida and you'd never know um, so and I think with things. that, though, there's a there's still a percentage that won't know themselves either. Mm. We get because there's different types of spinal bifida. They, you know, we get some that are only di- getting diagnosed in like their thirties and forties. You know, I'd, and I think it's it's understanding that as well because that's a really big change for people. Um, but in terms of it affecting you, like I've got members that are walking and you'd never know that the spine bifida there i've got members that you know their legs they don't work at all you know and there's a range within those things as well between those two and i think you know there's i always kind of say to parents and stuff um i use a bit of an example again using myself just because i can because it's a good i can kind of use it but there's three of 
me and my friends that are all on paper very similar, spina bifida all around the same age, and you would then normally like people would assume that we are completely the same, whereas actually, you know, some are using a wheelchair, some aren't. Some are catheterizing, some aren't. Some are on medication, some aren't. And it's and that's within, you know, just just three of us with similar con- like with the same condition on paper. So there is there is a real kind of range in it, which is why I think when I speak to parents and things, I try and say like let's get to certain points and see where we're at, um, because that will change what we do, um. In terms of like when Jill was saying about it affecting some of the memory and cognitive things, sometimes it's we're there for them when they go into nursery and then school and then college or university, and we can work with teachers and play workers and as and as a support development worker, I've done that on so many occasions where I've spoken to people's schools to understand it because they've looked and gone well actually. You know they've got a physical disability, but actually it's affected some of the memory and some of the learning, um, which they've not necessarily realised until a little bit later on. So then, you know, I did one with a school, and I think the young lad that I was doing it for is like fourteen, and we're just getting into exams time, and the school haven't necessarily they they've not known how to support better. It's not that they don't want to; they've not known how to. But then we've had that knowledge and done presentations for them and stuff. And we'll do that for our kids and speak to nurseries and, and do the same thing. Just I think a lot of that for me is about putting parents' minds at ease as well. Um, because it's a massive deal to trust someone else with your your child. You know, I think I've got kids myself and I, and I look at it and you trust them to school, don't you, for, for all those hours and you trust them to to play school before it or nursery is it like you know you trust them for that and then if you factor in all the other issues and probably hospital appointments that you've had and you know negative experiences as well you factor all that in it's an even bigger deal to then trust someone to do that for you um so i think we're a bit of a a bit of a tool there for people to be able to to feel a little bit better and a little bit better supported in general and we can kind of do that. Yeah. And how, how many people in the UK are affected by the condition? <laughs> nobody nobody knows exactly, but one of my colleagues did a very, very clever bit of maths, and we think there's probably about between 14,500 to about 17,000 people um, of all ages. There's quite, quite a lot of people kind of in there, um, 40s to 60s um because sort of going back to the 1960s which was the first time really that um medical science allowed the babies to really be saved you know the babies did used to pass I mean spina bifida is not a new thing but um you know but the rates I mean there was just massively more babies with spina bifida being born in the 1960s and and a lot of them are still going strong you know they've got good jobs and nice lives and you know nice families of their own and you know it's um it's it's really yeah very very interesting but yeah it's probably about seventeen thousand. there's no register so we don't know exactly yeah I mean, it's it's great what you're doing, isn't it, to carry on raising awareness and stuff with it, because that is quite a rare condition, isn't it, with them type of figures then? 
compared to to other conditions. It's it's not the same thing, is it, like with Down syndrome, where parents are offered determination? Parents are, yeah, they are offered, um, yeah, no, they are offered terminations. It's one of the things that the um, that the NHS screens for at the midterm scan. Um, they are offered terminations, and I think with the range of the ways that spina bifida can affect you, I think it's in in the same way with Down syndrome. It's always worth bearing in mind some of these babies are going to be so severely affected that they're actually not going to touch the world um you know that they are going to slip away you know either before or just after birth um it's not about just living with a disability there's a lot of health issues that go alongside it as well so you know not all the babies are are very well not all of the babies are going to make it is it with Um, with the pre-test though Gillian they can never like confirm how severe or or not they're going to be, or or do they have an idea with the pre-test or not? They have a good, they have a good idea now. And one of the things that we're we're looking at is kind of whether actually the possibility of of having surgery before birth um, for spina bifida has actually helped with that information that they get, that service that they get in in the, the diagnosis. Um, I feel like it, it has got a bit better that it's not the doom and gloom that that maybe 10 years ago that everybody got, you know, some people still are and it and it's it's horrible because they just lose all trust with the health services. But, um, you know, it's, I think the figures that we, that we check, I think people are less likely now to opt for ending their pregnancy than they were about sort of, you know, 15 or 20 years ago, because there is a little bit more information. It is, it is more nuanced now, um, but it's not, you know, it's not an easy thing, I think, for anybody. And, you know, it's um, the fact that people find themselves, you know, even sinking in that direction. Sometimes people feel like deep shame for even having those thoughts, really, sometimes. Yeah. Suppose it's difficult isn't it, when you see people like Chris doing so well. How, how vast the like kind of spectrum is as well. It's I think it is, and it's one of those that you know everyone makes a personal decision, like, and that's 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 their decision, and you know no one's ever going to be criticised for that. It's it's what works for you, and I think going back to what Jill's just said, like looking kind of technology really and and how things are done you know like i said my parents didn't know um and all right you're going back 40 years but actually they didn't know but only five years before that i know of people that they were actively encouraged to be left just left in hospital and not actually go home with their parents um and that was four or five years before i was born so actually, you know, I look sometimes and think I'm I'm fortunate, you know, I we've done all right. But actually, a lot of that has been down. It has been down to surgeries and techn- you know, it's I've been th- I went through a lot of surgeries when I was a kid, and it's only I think when you then have kids, you kind of look at that and go, I wouldn't swap places with my mum and dad. Like I can't imagine what that was like for them. Mm. Um. But equally, that's again. It's kind of why I come back to do this job because I can appreciate what they did and what they must have kind of thought. And and actually, 
I didn't, probably didn't realise until my twenties kind of what they they went through. Um, but like you say, that movement in technology and you know there is surgery that can be done even before birth now in some situations and it's not all you know but in some situations that's an option um and yeah that that brings again its risks its thoughts its worries its com you know conversations um but equally like the results it again it's a personal balancing act for well, families Throughout all this, whether they decide for a termination or not, or pre-surgery or surgery afterwards, you guys are there, like, right from the start. And yeah. you're kind of a charity that's from, like, pre-birth to all the way through life. All the way through. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely, yeah. I've got members that, well, currently aren't born, um, that are, you know, still going through pregnancy at the moment, right up to, I must have some in their 70s with... Um, Spine bifida and stuff like maybe even their eighties. I remember, you know, I think there can be that lack of understanding, and I think that's what I was saying before about the beauty of Shine for me is you have Jill and her team and the health aspect, and then you have us to support on other aspects. And I think even for me, and I was saying before about the lived experience, even with that, I didn't necessarily know how well people were doing. And to kind of what ages and things like that. Because again, you know, I was born right at the beginning of the 80s and actually the prognosis weren't weren't great. And that kind of stuck with you. And you, you think, you know what, I might get to 40 or 50. And I came in here when I started working and I was like, I've got members in my 70s. I literally rang my mum and went, looks like I'm going to live a little bit longer. Like, I should probably start looking at a pension. Like, and that... Like I said, the lived experience, I have that. I can, and But I would have never known that. You know, and even for me, I learned something when I came in. And, you know, you look at how... And that can be down to things that, like, literally improvements in, I don't know, bladder care, so catheterizing or mm. things like that. Less people get kidney issues because they're emptying, because, you know, but all that stuff's developed over the years. And... You know, I remember when growing up, a lot of the, the older people that had spinal bifida that I knew of and stuff, it was kidney problems. It was, you know, that side of things that actually they really deteriorated on. Um, and that technology now, like I say, equipment is a hundred times better than, you know, and it, you would hope in this day and age that's only going to continue to improve. So you, a lot of our listeners... Uh, here on the Differability Podcast might want to reach out to you. What is the best way and how is the best way for any of our listeners to reach out to you? I would say it's it's probably on the website. You can find us literally through a quick Google search. Um, we are there. Um, what What is the website? So it's shinecharity, all one word, .org.uk. And are you on social media as well? Yep. So we're on Facebook. There's a page on there. Um, we're on Insta and we're on Twitter. Yeah. Which is great. And before we finish here on the Differability Podcast, I'm going to start by asking you both your top three tips for anybody listening. And let's start with you, Gillian, and we'll end with Chris. So for any of our listeners that are listening to the Differability Podcast, 
what top three tips would you give? I think the, the top tip is, you know, don't sit home worried about something. Reach out, you know, just go and see what support there is. There will always be someone to talk to um, and somebody who really gets what it is that you're going through. So don't stay, don't sit home worried um, and losing sleep over something. I mean, my other tip, I think my second tip has to be anybody who is thinking possibly about having a baby, do prepare, get your advice, do prepare physically because that moment of conception is so many things hinge on that. So be well yeah. nourished, you know, look after your body, um, you know, cut down smoking and drinking, do all those things, but properly get ready. You know, babies, yeah, they just happen sometimes, but, yeah. you know, in this day and age, let you know, let's be baby ready, all of us. Um, what's the third tip? What would be the third tip? Just make a fuss. If you're not getting what you need, kick up a fuss. Yeah. You know, I think that's, create, you know. I often on that one. I often say to people, become the person that they hate to see your name pop up on the phone. If you're not getting, if you're not getting what you need, and you should be, like become that person. You know, I I spend time on the phone to social workers, um, occupational therapists, councils, and I will literally become the person that they. They just hate seeing my name pop up because I'm like, if you just sort this one for me, I'll go away. I think you know? that's that's the awful thing, isn't it? No matter what disability it is, it's the fight all the time, isn't it, for equipment, yeah. whatever support you need, medication. It's a constant fight, isn't it? That, that's very I clear. Think our, the our, our Chris has phrased it like that: become the person that they hate to see on the end of the. <laughs> take some of that you know if we can pick some of that up you know for people because it's yeah. you know it might just be the one thing that they're you know talking to us about but that's not going to be the only thing that people are having to fight for it's going to be almost everything stuff at school support proper appropriate support equipment housing blah 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 you know it's it's every day um, and it's exhausting, you know, um, so we can do a little bit of that. Yeah. My everyday, you know, my everyday is, is supporting people with DLA claims yeah. or getting the right support in school or just emotional support. You know, I've had, I've had parents that have rung me upset and stuff. Um, early doors generally, you know, when everything's still quite new and they feel alone, feel isolated from that. And I've chatted to them for 10 minutes and you can have a little cry at me for 10 minutes that's absolutely fine get all your worries out on me and then we're going to find a solution because the one th like you're more than welcome to come and cry on me but then we are going to look for a solution like because we're not you know we're going to move forward and it's being there for all people and we can take some of that pressure off by doing some of that and you know between the support and development workers that we've got here we've all got kind of expertises. We've all got like different knowledges and we will go to each other for those. Or I'll go to Jill. If I've got a question, I don't know an answer to, or I'll go to one of her team. Yeah. You know, I, I always kind of say to parents as well, that I don't know everything. I'd love to know everything, but I don't. Mm -hmm. But what we will do is try and find the answer. So again, you know, you've not got parents just trolling kind of Google to try and find things like actually, let's go to some let's go to the right places to get info because 
that's not always the yeah. the best outcome reading Google, I've found. The, the practical support, like what you've just said with the DLA, because as a new parent with a disabled child, to get that is like a Bible. So yeah. just to have that practical support is massive, isn't it? And I'm going to say the DLA forms are not, are not specifically great. And nope. Very don't... much one box. The... Tick, tick, yeah, tick, and yeah. It's, yeah it's... One, one box for all type of things. And they are different. That's not the way it works with people with disabilities. No, you know, and they're difficult forms to form. fill out, but they're also emotionally difficult for families. You know, because, and I, I was saying this to a parent the other day because we're looking at going to PIP now, from DLA to PIP because they're, they're older now. And it was really upsetting for, for them and the young person to kind of realise that they still had things that were impacting on their life because, mm-hmm. you know, they're saying, oh, I can do this. And then when I break it down and go, but could you do that without the support of someone else? And you're effectively telling someone they're not independent but I've spent my entire life trying to find ways to be independent and then a PIP form comes and I have to tell you everywhere that my life's bad. It's not a nice process to go through and actually when people then get rejected, it's again, it's not a nice process and a lot of that form is about wording and how you put things across. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, you can... I have literally on someone that didn't get it to then getting it on appeal changed five or six words in an entire form mm. and then got it. So I think I think the knowledge you've both given to all our listeners will be so valuable. And, um, I mean, f- we are delighted that you joined us here on the Disability Podcast. And we just want to say a huge thank you for both of you for being so open and honest and sharing what life is really like and sadly we are running out of time and do you want a quick positives before i go because i didn't give you any did i go on then chris yes so i was just scribbled some down while joe was chatting and i think my top advice is i ask questions because you don't know what you don't know yeah so ask questions write them down before you go into meetings yeah. have them for that because you go in, you get bombarded with medical stuff, you come out, you've not asked anything. Do yourself some little bullet points and ask questions. Um, remember that you're not alone because there's other parents out there and there's people to support you and we're there for that. Um, and then my last one was just enjoy it. Yeah. It's a bit of a roller coaster, but enjoy it. You know, there's, there's aspects where you go into hospital appointments and it's horrible and you're taking time off work to go to hospital appointments and and all that jazz but actually enjoy it because there's a lot of bonuses that come with it as well and there's a lot of experiences you're going to go through that you know you wouldn't have got without having a disability maybe yeah and i think from that one that that's that's been my life i've i've played a bit of basketball i've i've gone to three world cups in three different sports i've done all right you know, I've I've had opportunities. I played basketball at a decent level. Yeah. I'm five foot four. I wouldn't have been doing that without a disability. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just enjoying the aspects that come with it as well. Not everything is is a negative. And on that, we'll shut up. I think they're wonderful. And Chris and Gillian from Shine, thank you both so much for joining us here on the Disability Podcast. 
Um, yeah, don't forget, yeah, reach out to Shine. Obviously, they're on social media and check out the website if you need further information and advice. Every episode, we want to share with you our top tips and recommendations for getting out and about with your kids, whatever their abilities or needs are. This is Get Outdoors with Get Cycling. Get Cycling provide all kinds of cycles for all kinds of people. That's everything from trikes and tandems to wheelchair-friendly bikes and the ones with harnesses too. Head over to getcycling.org.uk forward slash Diffability to find out more and to book your own demo. So in this episode, we'd like to recommend local nature trails. Now these are quite good and relaxing and you can just go at your own pace, can't you? And often see wildlife you never really see. I think, yeah, everybody's tight for money at the moment. So we've tried to recommend things that you can do for free and you often overlook in your local areas. So again, we're really lucky. There was an old like railway track near us that's like a kind of nature trail, part of the Transpennel Trail. And it's all been newly tarmacked. We can go up and down on the boys' specialist bikes. Um, And you can, obviously it's coming into spring now so you can get out a bit more, it's getting a bit warmer. And just have a look locally because I think sometimes when you Google what's in your own area, it's surprising to find out that there's these trails, nature trails um, that are accessible and yeah. And days like this don't cost anything. They are free. And that's all from us for this episode. If you have found this podcast useful, then make sure to check out the other episodes we have available and share it with other parents. The best thing we can do as parents of children with additional needs is to keep talking, keep sharing and keep helping each other out. After all, we are all in this together. If you'd like to hear more from us, you can find us on Instagram at family, or click the link in the description below. Thanks for listening.